Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, um, I'm excited about the message tonight. Last week I preached like what I thought was a, a very simple message. And uh, tonight's kind of the opposite. It's still a message I'm chewing on. And, and uh, I, I think I'm excited about it. And uh, I'll tell you the, the background story into this message. Um, Monday night I woke up at 2 a.m. I was having like a really vivid dream. I don't dream that often just naturally. And, and I've only had two or three times where I, I felt like a dream was really from God, like a dream that I had at night where God was speaking to me. But uh, Monday night I woke up at 2 a.m. and I, I was having a dream that I felt was, was uh, uh, something from God. I, I, I was dreaming, and in this dream I was just really um, just giving a, a prophetic word. I was just prophesying in tongues and just going at it. And then, and then God started giving me the interpretation. And like, it just started coming up out of me. And the interpretation was... Um, that, that we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mouth to declare, a mouth to bring it forth. And uh, that, that was the interpretation of this. And it was really, it woke me up. I like woke up just like, feel like I needed to, you know, prophesy in tongues and interpret it. And, and um, I, I kind of walked around for half an hour and then went back to bed. And uh, I still remember it in the morning. Usually when I have a dream, I forget it by the morning. I think, what was that dream? But I, it was very vivid and very real and I remembered it. And... Um, as I've been kind of praying on it and thinking about it, I was, um, I was actually praying today about it, um, and God was just showing me how, how we have, you know, natural eyes to see, we have natural ears to hear, we also have spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear, but you only have one mouth, and your mouth is that bridge between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And uh, I, I, I'm going to show you this inscription. I think it makes sense. But, but um, I, mean, I, was just, I was just praying in tongues, and God was just, he gave me a picture, actually, that kind of went along with this um, dream I had. And in this picture, I, I, I was, I was, I was um, just praying in tongues. I was actually up on the roof of the church. Tanya heard me walking around up there. I'm not supposed to do that. Um, but anyways, I was doing it anyways because I like, I like to, the view and, and to, to pray over you all uh, before you get here. But I was just praying in, in, in tongues and, and uh, just declaring things like God's showing me. You declare things with your mouth. You, you, you see things in the Spirit. You hear things in the Spirit. And you declare it with your mouth. Your mouth is that bridge between the Spirit realm and the natural realm. And I was just declaring things over this church, declaring things over myself, declaring things over all of you. And um, um, God just showed me this picture as I was praying in tongues. It's like, it's like a geyser. How many of you know what a geyser is? Heather and I went to Iceland in October and... and um, in Iceland, they speak Icelandic. It's one of the least spoken languages in the world, but geyser is an Icelandic word, and it means to, to burst forth, but there's a lot of geysers in Iceland because it, you know, it's a volcanic island that, that's built on this fissure between the North American tectonic plate and the European tectonic plate. And uh, a few weeks after we left, there's actually a lot of earthquakes there, and, and we saw videos of right where we were where this fissure is. And the, the ground was going up and down like 20 feet at a time. It was wild. But there's a lot of geysers there. Um, and, and we went and saw a famous geyser there, and we're just sitting around with like hundreds of people. And it's just bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And God showed me when you're praying in tongues, it's like the, the spirit realm is just bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And, and we, we kind of asked people, like we were there for at least half an hour, like nothing was really happening, just a lot of bubbling. Some of you think, man, we're just praying in tongues like, why should I do this? It just feels like I'm just bubbling and bubbling. But, but man, God can just shoot something right out of your spirit. And uh, just, just you can have breakthrough, this bursting forth. And God, just show me when you're praying in tongues, 
man, you're just, you're just bubbling. And, and, they're, they're, and if he gives you something to, to see, to hear, and you just declare it with your mouth, it's like that geyser is going off. And we actually got to see that geyser go off. It shot up like 50 feet up in the air, and everyone was cheering. And, and, um, but people didn't know. They didn't know. Like we're asking. Everyone's asking, like, how long do we have to wait? And it's not like Old Faithful. It's not on a clock. It's just <laughs> sometimes it goes off every five minutes. Sometimes it goes off once every two weeks. You never know. But um, God was showing me when you, when you pray in tongues and, and there's that bubbling going on. And he was showing me, too, about how it's like bubbling and, and it's babbling. You might not think there's a whole lot going on, but man, there, there, there's something there. And, um, um, and, and with our mouth, we declare things. And that, that, that's what, what bridges what's in, in the spirit, what's in our heart, what, what God has placed in our spirit, what God has placed in our heart into the natural realm. And um, uh, I want to start off with this, this um, quote of Jesus. I love this. I love um, looking at um, the, the messages that Jesus spoke to the seven churches, which are messages for the present church today as well. But at, at the end of each message, Jesus would say this. He would say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And we still need to have an ear to hear what Jesus is saying today. And let's turn to Matthew 13, verse 9. Go with me to Matthew 13, verse 9. And um, I think it's really profound that Jesus said this at the end of each message to those seven churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And um, here in Matthew 13, I want to pick up in verse 9. And this is actually after the most um, important parable that Jesus spoke. Jesus said this is actually the most important parable that I'm sharing with you all because if you understand this one, you can understand, um, you can understand all the parables. So this parable was the parable of the sower. And right at the end of it, it's the same thing that Jesus spoke to those seven churches, Matthew 13, verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And verse 10, it says, The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So we need to have ears to hear, uh, to hear what, what these mysteries are being given. Uh, verse 12, For whoever has to him more will be given, and he um, will have abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not... I love verse 12. And I just love that um, verse there. Um, God, God is not a communist. Christianity is not a communist. You know, I was actually listening to a lecture of uh, Jordan Peterson the other day, who's kind of, of a conservative, intellectual type person. And he talks a lot about scripture and, and has even... But, but he's not a believer, which I find kind of sad. And he was just talking about how, how there's a lot of people who think that Christianity is kind of a communist type thing. I said, no, it's, it's obviously not. And like, like Jesus even said, whoever has to him, more will be given. And who, who doesn't have, it'll be taken away from him. That's, that's like the opposite of communism. Anyways, I'm praying for some of these people to get real spiritual revelation. You know, they, they have a brain to think, but they need to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. Uh, verse 13, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. So it's a heart issue. It comes down to the heart. God is after your heart, and your heart is going to affect what you hear, uh, affect what you see. I, I find even believers who are spirit-filled, who, who sometimes they're, they're having, I, I can tell they're not really seeing right, and they're not really hearing right, and it's because there's some heart stuff going on. And usually the underlying heart thing is pride. The root of a lot of heart stuff, it's 99.9% it's .9 of the time pride. Their ears are hard of hearing and they, their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, did not see and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So he's saying we need, we need to have eyes to hear, eyes to see, and ears to hear. And um, I, I kind of want to start off this um, teaching by saying that you are a three-part being. For this teaching to make sense to you, you have to realize that we are a three-part being. You are a spirit. There's a part of you that's eternal. There's a part of you that's indestructible. There's a part of you that's going to exist for eternity somewhere. It's not going to be destroyed. So you want to exist in a good place. And that good place is called heaven. So you, you are a spirit. You possess a soul. Your soul, it's your mind, your will, your emotions, your imaginations, your desires, even, even your, your subconscious, where God can sometimes speak to you at night. Um, you possess a soul. Your soul should not possess you. The world twists that area of the soul. They say, you don't possess a soul. Your soul should possess you. If you feel something, that's right. Right? If you think something, that's right. That's called hedonism. And right now, um, the, the world is actually um, setting up um, like temples of paganism, temples of hedonism, where if you think something, if you feel something, that's what it is. And it's actually completely anti-God. And, and I'm, you're, you're like, well, where, where are these temples at? Well, they're, they're, they're right here in Carter Springs. There's, there's one called, like a lot of universities. Modern day universities are, are temples of hedonism, temples of paganism, where they want to strip away God from everything. They want to strip away what God has done for humankind from everything. We want, we want to strip away um, morality. We want to strip away Christian ethics. We want to strip away what God has done for mankind. What, what was the first thing that God did for mankind? He gave them a family. He had a father and a mother named Adam and Eve, and they begat. They knew each other, and they, they're trying to strip that away. So now, even here at UCCS, I saw that, you know, um, in, in the library, they're, they're, they don't have nursing mother's rooms anymore. They're lactation rooms because we can't use the word mother we got to strip away the, the, the word mother. And it's not, like, it's a lactation room. And I, someone showed that, and I was just appalled. And I thought, well, what, what does that mean? Is that where you're supposed to take your cow to, you know, go get milk, lactate it, so you can have some fresh milk between <laughs> classes? That's what old farmer boy Aaron Purdue would think if I was walking. A lactation room, I, I've milked cows before. I begged my dad to, to have a lactation barn. You know, I really wanted to milk cow. And... <laughs> Man, how, how can you be so hateful of women? Men, Satan hates women. I remember when I, I was at, at Rice University, I had a professor who, who, who had nothing to do with her class. 
It was an edu- like an educational psychology class. She just went on a rant about how, how Christians just want to put down women and, and that, that men are, are to be subject over women and women are to submit themselves. And, and she, she didn't know what she's talking about. Did not know what she's talking about. And I, I was just thinking, man, whenever, whenever the Bible has flourished, wherever Christianity has flourished, women have flourished. Wherever the Bible has been put down, wherever Jesus has been put down, women have been put down. There are places in this world where, where, where the Bible cannot exist, where Jesus cannot be, be preached, and, and women aren't even a full person legally. And, and people are siding with these, here in America, people who, who, who worship in these pagan temples, and the priests of these pagan temples, or priestesses of these pagan temples. But I've even been questioned and said, well, if, if students at your school, you know, chant genocidal slogans against Jews, does that violate your, you know, student code? Well, well it depends on the situation. <laughs> complete, complete paganism. Just trying, trying to strip out, man, it, it's crazy. You possess a soul. Your feelings have nothing to do with truth. Truth is truth. You possess a soul and you live in a body. So you, you are a spiritual being and you live, in, you live in both the spiritual realm and in this physical realm. First um, Thessalonians 5.23 talks about this three-part being that, that we are, that every human being is. Every human being has a spirit, possesses a soul, and lives in a body. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God, he is a spirit. He took on on physical form through the person of Jesus, but God is a spirit. Jesus said this in John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. When you worship God, the spirit being, you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't just worship him with your ears. You can't just worship him with your eyes. You have to worship him with your mouth. Your mouth is that bridge between your physical being and and your spiritual being. Amen? I love what Jesus said. This makes so much sense to me as as I've been praying about it and, and just seeking it out in Scripture. John 6, 63, Jesus said this. He said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, the words that are coming out of my mouth, they are spirit and they are life. I believe that God has given us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mouth to speak forth, to declare things from the Spirit. As we learn how to see, as we learn how to hear and speak spiritually, we'll tap into life. We'll tap into his power. We'll tap into that spiritual realm, that spiritual reality. Let's go to Romans 8 and start in verse 6 now. Romans 8, verse 6. It says here, um, for to be carnally minded is death. And we talked about how, how, how Jesus was quoting Isaiah, how, how they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. And their hearts have grown dull. To be carnally minded, if you're only seeing, if, if, every, if your entire reality, if your entire concept of truth is just based upon what you can see with your physical eyes, it's going to lead to death. 
If it's just based on what you can physically hear, it will lead to death. There is a spiritual reality. That, and God is spirit. He is truth. He is life. He is re, re, reality. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If, if your entire existence is just based upon what you can see with your physical eyes, what you can hear with your physical ears, and, you, and you're cut off from God, it's enmity against God. But verse 9, this is really powerful. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Who here has the Spirit of God inside of them, dwelling inside of them? If you've believed on Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You have His Spirit in you. You either are His or you're not. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you're either born again, you're either saved or you're not. You either have his Spirit in you or you do not. You can't be 50-50, 80 20, 99, 1. It's either 100% the Spirit of Christ in you or it's not in you. You're either a, a saint, you're either the righteousness of God, you're either born again on your way to heaven or you're not. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you. There's something in you bubbling up all the time and just bursting forth. That same spirit, that resurrection power spirit is dwelling in you, just bubbling and it's going to give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So if you have the spirit of Christ in you, if the spirit of God is dwelling in you, you've received from Jesus and you have within yourself, you have those spiritual eyes to see, you have those spiritual ears to hear, and you have a heart that can understand. We have God placed within us a new heart that can understand, that can be taught by his spirit. Amen? We have the mind of Christ. Why? So he can teach us. So he can reveal mysteries to us. All right, that's just my introduction. That's almost a message in and of itself. I think I'll be able to get through everything tonight. I was hoping not to turn this into a four or ten part series. We'll see. First point, point tonight, carnal sight leads to blindness. You know, to be carnally minded is death. Carnal sight leads to blindness, which leads to death. But spiritual sight leads to life and peace. We need to be, be seeing in the realm of the spirit because that's what leads to life and peace. Let's go to 2 Kings 6, and we'll start in verse 8. Second Kings 6, and we'll start in verse 8. This past Sunday, I shared um, from the last part of Second Kings 6, uh, the story about the, the four lepers. I'm going to back up and, and, and uh, share from another account going on here in the life of Elisha. And again, the Syrians are attacking. Apparently, the Syrians were a constant problem against Israel. Thousands of years ago, it seems like Israel has constant problems from their next-door neighbors even today. 
So it says here in 2 Kings 6, verse 8, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful um, there, not just once or twice. So this was a repeated thing. Um, God would speak through Elisha, tell him what the, 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 the enemy king was doing. He would warn the Israel king what to do, and, and they would just um, snuff out the Syrian army every time. And uh, man, I, I, just love, I, I just love that we see you know, the, these um, charismatic gifts in operation, these prophetic gifts, you know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, and, and, and they're used the same way today. They can be used the same way today. Um, what, dur- they can be used for direction and for protection. Dire- say direction and protection. God wants to speak to us. Man, I, I'm so glad that I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there have been times that I, I've needed clarity uh, of direction and also just, just protection in my life, prophetic words that have given me protection. When I was 12 years old, just a, a little kid growing up in Kit Carson, Colorado, there was a, a, a pro- prophetess. You know, Sunday I talked about a prophetess named Miriam. You know, and I, just, I kind of made a joke today about how people in the church complain about women who, who have public speaking gifts. And I said, well, if a woman could give birth to a Jesus, a woman can preach about Jesus. Well, a, a woman prophetess came to Kit Carson by the name of Bobby G. Merck when I was 12 years old. And she said, you know, in three years, your, your, your direction is going to be marked. In three years, you're going to know what to do. You're going to, go, you're going to, you're going to have a clear direction. Your, your destiny is going to be marked. And, and she said um, that, that, that the Lord is going to be preparing you. And then when you, when you go off, you're going to be in the midst of opposing people. You'd be, be even around a lot of homosexual people. This is kind of weird as, as a 12-year-old in Kit Carson because uh, we didn't have lactation rooms and, you know, what's your gender kind of stuff going on in Kit Carson 25 years ago. And, um, but when I went to school, I was, sure enough, I, I was oftentimes the only believer, the, certainly the only charismatic believer, certainly the only Republican. <laughs> I find it funny when people want to be countercultural, and I'm so cool, and I'm, you know, I'm like, no, be a Republican. Be a young Republican, go to, you know, a secular university and, and believe on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You'll be counter-everything. And wear some ostrich boots while you're at it, and you'll really be stand out. We weren't made to fit in. But, but she said that, that, that she actually spoke a prophetic word of protection when she said, the wolf will not eat you. And I, my dad wrote that down, and I actually kept it in my journal, kept it in my Bible all throughout college, all throughout my 12 years of college or whatever. The wolf will not eat in you. And, that, and there are other words, other words of direction, other words of protection, amen, that were spoken over me. So, so um, the, these words are given, um, and um, we see what happens. It happens several times. Verse 11, 2 Kings 6, verse 11, we'll continue here. It says, therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. Man, the favor of God will trouble the enemy. Because the, the, the enemy will realize this isn't fair. 
I, I have good news for you. Life isn't fair. We have favor with God. We have, we have the Holy Spirit. We have grace. We have that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling in us. Life's not fair. We have an advantage. I really hate when the church sings these victim, oh, oh me, oh poor me, oh songs. Get an ear to hear. Get some eyes to see. He called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells um, the king of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, um, the servant of Elisha, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He, he was freaking out. He was saying, man, why did I sign up with this guy? It's just me and him, and we're against this giant army. And he was just looking at things with his natural eyes. And that, that was a physical reality. That was a natural reality. But if you only look at things with your physical eyes, that's going to lead to fear and that's going to lead down the wrong path, which will ultimately lead to death. If Elisha was just looking with his natural eyes, just hearing you know, the, the horses and these men yelling and the swords and the clatter, and, and that's the only thing he heard, they would have been wiped out in about two seconds. Verse 16, he answered and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And as Elijah spoke this, his servant probably thought, What are you talking about? You know, sometimes when, when you're seeing things in the spirit realm, when you're hearing things and you begin to speak them forth, people will think you're crazy. And who can you speak these things for? You can speak them to, to anyone around you. It could be a believer. It can be a servant. It can be a coworker. It could be your family. But, but sometimes people will think you're crazy. It's okay. Because there, are, there, are, there is a physical reality and there is a spiritual reality. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I'm sure Elisha was getting excited because he had seen this chariot and these horses of fire before. Just a few chapters ago, Elisha saw what had happened. He's with there with his master Elijah. And he was caught up into heaven. And then he, he went and picked up Elijah's mantle. He saw, and I, I, I don't know if he saw what happened with his spiritual eyes with Elijah or his natural eyes. I don't know what happened, but he picked up that mantle and he went to the Jordan River. And then, and then he spoke something with his mouth. Man, your mouth is so powerful. Your, your mouth is what bridges that spiritual reality into the natural reality. He, he, he took that, that, that coat of Elijah and he hit the water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And the waters parted. And he walked across, and, and, and people got it. 
The prophets watched it. They, they saw it. They saw it. They said that the spirit that was Elijah surely rests on Elisha. But he spoke it. So he, see, he's, he sees the mountain full of horses, chariots of fire all around Elisha. Verse 18, when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, he had to speak it forth. You know, he, he saw it, he could hear it, he knew that there's this, this great army in the realm of the spirit, but he had to speak it forth. And notice, God didn't just, just make this happen. Elisha spoke command, with his own mouth, commanded the armies of angels, commanded the armies of God to do something with his mouth. And he said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. You have a mouth to declare. You need to hear, hear with your ears, see with your eyes, but have a mouth to declare. Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And it happened. Now Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria, then Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? He's saying, man, the, this isn't even fair to them. Man, you should have seen this army that was on our side. It's not even fair. Let's just feed them and have a party and forget about it. Set food, water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master and then he prepared a great feast for them. And after that, they ate and drank. He sent them away, and they went to their master. So the band of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Let's just put a stop to it. I found that really interesting. I, he, he just, this, this wasn't even a fair fight. They didn't even stand a chance. It's just me and my servant against them. But really, you should have seen the, 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 these fiery horses and fiery chariots and these angels with swords, and um, all I had to do was just speak, strike them with blindness, and they all went blind, and I just could lead them around and just have my way. Carnal sight leads to blindness. Spiritual sight, spiritual sight leads to life and peace. Next point, carnal hearing leads to deafness, but spiritual hearing leads to life and peace. We need to be hearing what God is doing listening to what God is saying. We need to be listening for the sounds of heaven. Can you hear the sound of an abundance? In ab I love that word, abundance. Even in the midst of famine, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of difficulty, can you hear the sound of heaven? Can you hear what God is doing? And God needs a mouth to speak it forth, to declare it. To, to burst it forth like a geyser from the realm of the spirit into the natural realm. Let's go to 1 Kings 18. First Kings 18. We'll start in verse um, 36. This is um, speaking about Elijah. And I love, I love the story of Elijah. Um, Elijah was living in a time like ours. There's just a lot of craziness going on, a lot of paganism, hedonism, 
Baal worship going on. Everyone bow down to Baal or else. And um, Elijah, the first time he's mentioned, it just, it just, he, he hadn't performed a single miracle, but he just confronted Ahab. He spoke the truth. He said, this isn't right. I serve the one true God, and you're going to figure out who the one true God is before I'm done. And um, Elijah was bold. Man, faith will make you bold. The righteous are as bold as lions. The wicked flee when no one pursues. So Elijah, Elijah decided he wasn't, he wasn't going to be just run over and not say anything and just go with the flow. He was going to take a, a bold, bold step of faith, and, and he did it to the point of um, having a standoff with all the prophets of Baal. And guess who won? Guess who's going to win the standoff right now between the one true God and all the garbage that's in the world today? Verse 36, 1 Kings 18, 36. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sight, this is at the end of this showdown, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. God wants to be known this day, today. Here in America, here in Colorado, here in Colorado Springs, God wants to be known this day and he will be known. Man, the truth always prevails. You are God in Israel. I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. It's about the heart. Verse 3, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Elijah, he was hearing in the realm of the spirit, the sound of an abundance of rain. There had been a drought, a complete famine for three and a half years, not a single cloud over Israel for three and a half years. And he said, go have a party, you wicked king. This might be one of the last chances you get to party. There is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel. And it said he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. I think that's really important that it says he, he went up to the top of this mount, Mount Carmel, and he bowed down, and he put his head between his knees. Because he was trying to completely shut off his physical eyes. He was completely trying to shut off his physical ears. He knew what he heard in the realm of spirit did not relate at all to what was currently going on in the natural realm. He was hearing the sound of an abundance of rain. And, and he spoke it and he was believing it, but he, I'm sure he was grappling in, in his heart with it. And he, he's just going to bow down. He's not even going to look at what's going on. I've had prayers like that where I've just declared the word of the Lord. I've believed in my heart and I've said it and I've just kept my eyes closed. And I'm just praying and declaring and I'm not, I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to go in the spirit and just 
proclaim what I see, proclaim what I hear, and, and declare it forth with my mouth. And he told his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. He didn't even want to look himself. A servant, probably Elisha, go up and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Comes back. Seven times. Go again. There's nothing. Goes again. Nothing. Seven times. And he keeps saying, keep going, keep going, keep going, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. The servant's probably wondering, what is going on? But Elisha, Elisha here, the servant is learning that there is a spiritual realm and there is a natural realm. And, and, and when, you, when you can understand the realm of the spirit, when you can see with spiritual eyes, when you can hear with spiritual ears, man, man you'll have a faith that is relentless. You'll have a faith that does not back down. You have a faith that, that just keeps springing up time and time again, seven times. The Bible says this about righteousness, that, 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 that faith of righteousness for a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll rise again. The wicked will just fall by calamity, but, but the righteous will just not give up. There is something just persistent, something resilient. It just does not stop seven times. Verse 44, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. I don't even know how you could see, see that from Mount Carmel. He's probably looking and squinting and said, you know, there's a, a cloud like this big rising out of the sea. Something was bubbling. And he said, man, something is going to burst forth. You better start running. Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. He's probably like, that, that was a, what are you, man, you're not a very good weatherman. Should go look for a weatherman job in Colorado, because, uh, you know, I, I don't know about this forecast. But it happened, man, man, and if, if, if you can see things in the realm of the Spirit and you can hear things, man, man, that first little bubble Man, you start getting excited. You start jumping and shouting. People are thinking, what are you talking about? You're, you're dealing with this and you just, you're completely broke and you just made 10 bucks. Why are you shouting and dancing and jumping and giving and acting like you won the lottery? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Start running. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky went black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain, so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Man, when you can see things, when you can hear things in their own spirit, and you're believing for a breakthrough, it might be in terms of health, maybe financial breakthrough, maybe relational breakthrough. I remember when I was believing for, for breakthrough concerning my, my singleness for a long time, that, that drought of many years, longer than three and a half years. And along came Heather. 
And she didn't know yet, but I could hear the sound of an abundance of rain, and I got overly excited. And she ran away from me for a little bit until God spoke to her too, and then it happened, just like that. Man, just that glimmer of light, you can see that it's, I mean, that's, that's what I've been believing for. That's what I know has been there. That's what I've been seeing. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, and man, I'm excited. Run, baby, run. <laughs> Amen. And I caught up with her. She couldn't run away. I, my last point, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mouth to declare. Let's go to Romans 4, verse 16. Romans 4, verse 16. This has really been on my heart a lot lately as well. You have natural eyes, spiritual eyes. You have natural ears, you have spiritual ears. But you have one mouth. One mouth that bridges what you see, what you hear in the spirit, and you can declare forth. Thanks. Romans 4, 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And I love that, that um, um, Paul here writes that Abraham is the father of us all. And I love the story of Abraham, the story of faith. But really it begins with God's faith. And God's grace. Really, when God, when God saw Abram, Abram was in an impossible situation. He was old. He, he, it wasn't happening. He, he didn't have anyone to leave a legacy to. That's what he really wanted. That's what he, his heart desired. And God, God, through his grace, spoke that word, that promise to Abram. That in the natural seemed impossible. And the promise is that I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 17, in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and say this, and calls those things. Say, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Because God is spirit. He can see what's happening in the realm of the spirit. He can call those things that be not as though they did. They, they be not in the natural realm because they are in the realm of the spirit. And God calls those things. And then Abraham, something started clicking with him eventually. It says in verse 18, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Say what was spoken. It was first spoken by God. And then it was believed by Abraham, and then it was spoken by Abraham. Now it's spoken by us all. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. So he had to tune out what he was seeing with his own eyes, what, we, what he was hearing with his own ears. When he got up in the morning and heard his knees crack and crinkle, and I, you know, I have a couple of joints that do that. I can't hear that. I'm not going to consider my own body. And it says he was already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How do you give glory to God? With your mouth. 
And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Amen. Speak words of life. Speak the word of God. It is spirit. It is life. And you can declare it right now. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What tongue are you talking about? The the spiritual tongue or the natural tongue? The tongue. The tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Your mouth is the bridge where the spirit realm can break forth and change the natural realm. And that there are things bubbling inside of you right now. Man, and as, man every, every one of you should, should be filled with the spirit. If you're not, I want you to come up and, and, and receive prayer after service and, and get that gift of praying in tongues. And you need to spend time praying in tongues. You're going to think, what am I doing? I'm, I'm babbling. You're babbling. You're bubbling. And things are going to start breaking forth. I want to look at something here in Acts 3. Let's go to Acts 3 really quick. This is my last passage of Scripture tonight. Acts 3. I want to talk about this, this, this bubbling that's going on inside of you, especially if you have the Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the deep, hovering, who hovered over Jesus like a dove, fluttering, hovering, bubbling. There's this bubbling on the inside. Jesus said, said I, I will place in you these, these wells that spring up like a geyser. It's the only Icelandic word I know. It means to spring up. Acts 3. What happened right before, prior chapter? They got filled with the Holy Ghost. Something happened to Peter. Something started bubbling. He might have been a little flat, a little stale, a little cowardice, a little chicken, a little... But man, something shifted. Acts 3 says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. What do you think they were doing as they were going to prayer? They were bubbling, babbling. They were, man, I just saw 3,000 people get saved. And I saw the church get born just yesterday. I'm a... a certain man lame. From his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. I think he wasn't just saying, just just look with your physical eyes. You're going to see something awesome. There's going to be a a geyser here in a moment. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Hey, this is just a natural reality right now. I forgot my wallet. I just came here to pray. But I have something here in the realm of the spirit as well. And it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits you nothing. I could give you 10 bucks, but it's not going to really profit you much. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. 
Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He was seeing with his spiritual eyes. He was hearing with his spiritual ears. And with his mouth, he declared something. Something was bubbling in him, and he declared it. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And there, there are three important keys here. First of all, Peter declared it. He didn't just wait to see something with his natural eyes. He declared it first. And then it says he lifted him up. The first thing, he declared it. Secondly, he lifted him up. Sometimes when you minister to people, when you, when you, when you, when you man, share the gospel with people, when you pray for people, sometimes they're going to need a little lifting. You declare the truth, you, you speak it, but then you lift them up, and then what happened? It says that he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. His mouth was shifted as well. They declared it, he lifted him up, and then he leaped. So this is my conclusion for you tonight. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? If so, you have spiritual eyes to see. You have spiritual ears to hear. You can sense when something is bubbling up. You can sense when God is doing something. You can sense you know the truth of God's word. And you have a mouth to declare it and to see it spring forth. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.